The Hard Yards on Sports Joe. Brought to you by Innocent Super Smoothies. On the bright side. I don't think we met before, but I'm the referee on this field, not you. Hi Rob, Zeebs here. Just want to discuss the captaincy next. He's calling. And Ring Rose comes through. Oh, that is brilliant from Ring Rose. Ring Rose is going here. What a score! Hello and you're very welcome to The Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGeady and we have another great show lined up for you today as we look ahead to the Champions Cup final in Bilbao next weekend. I'm joined in the studio by Pat McCarry. Pat, how are you? Pretty good, thank you. And Kevin McLaughlin. Kev? Good morning. Good morning. And a little later we'll be joined on the line by Mike Prendergast. It's a nice sunny weekend, wasn't it? It's lovely. Summer's here. It was. Great weekend for rugby. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> an even better weekend for weddings. Myself and Pat were both at weddings and uh, keeping an eye on the rugby from from, from afar. afar, exactly. from from afar. Great yeah. beer drinking weather. Like that's that's our excuses <laughs> in first, right? There's more to life than the oval game. Sometimes, sometimes. But the Pro 14 playoffs uh, began in earnest, and Munster found it a little more difficult than some would have thought. Certainly, the bookies. Uh, it was with 20 minutes to go. It was only 17-16, <coughs> and. One try came from a little bit of Zebo magic. Mm. One try came from a very opportunist piece of work by Hooker Reese Marshall, um, with a gorgeous sidestep mm. uh, to go to go through um, off the end of a, a line out. Uh, but they won twenty sixteen. They're through. Smallish crowd, it should be noted. Yeah, T- yeah. just over ten thousand was the official attendance, but a lot of people say mm. it looked smaller. Um, but that's job done for Munster. Uh, not brilliant, but they set up that semi-final against Leinster. Yeah, and that's a um, RDS then as well. Um, RDS. A lot of people will have assumed it would go to the Aviva, but it can't. Aviva's already booked, um, so it's in the RDS. So your tickets for this, get them, get mm-hmm. them early. We'll have another little talk about that later. <laughs> we might have tickets. Um, but yeah, in the RDS, this is going to be a proper, proper atmosphere because Munster haven't been to the RDS for a good while. Yeah, it's going to be unreal. But uh, yeah, like Edinburgh are good, you have to remember that. Like yep. 2016, I mean, it's a win. It's in a playoff game. Pretty disappointing, that crowd. You'd think they get something more, like closer to 20,000 for mm. a playoff game. It's a bit disappointing for the Pro 14, I'd say. Saving up for the big <coughs> trip to Dublin, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think like everyone in Munster just assumed it would be a walkover. But Jesus, thank God they, they got through because it's going to be absolutely mouthwatering now, this game in the RDS. Yeah. I mean, we did we did say that last week that Edinburgh have been on a really really good run. Uh, they they won fifteen games, which joined with Glasgow was the most mm. in the league. Mm. Um, so they're good. Well done, Richard Cockrell. Uh, something I think we'll return to in another episode. You know, some of the very good performances this, of this season. His managerial <coughs> or coaching performance certainly is up there. Um, in the other semi. Scarlet's walloped the cheetahs. Yeah, uh, good sunny day in Parky Scarlet's. It wasn't much of a contest. Um, it was great to watch. It really was good to watch. Steph Evans' second try is brilliant. If anyone hasn't seen that, get to the Pro 14 video channels or uh, social media channels. It's a fantastic, fantastic try. Um, so yeah, Scarlet's are in. We thought they could do it. They were 14 point favourites, and it didn't. It was never ever close. But well done, cheetahs. Good season. Yeah, oh yeah, they were decent. It was, I think the only thing that they'll be left disappointed with, um, you know, it was great to have in that final six to have a South African side there. So we kind of happy enough with that. But just the way to go out is a bit of big, big shame. So um, it's just going to be so interesting to see now over the next few months who who they come back with next season. Like, and are they stronger again? And 
um, you know, for, for being in there for the first year, all that travel, all the difficulty um, to go out and impress so many people, <coughs> they're, they're only going to get tougher, I'd imagine. The commitment on the South African side is that they will get stronger each year. Mm. And uh, I think there'll be, there'll be trouble if they don't because I think the chasm will get wider. But I think there is a huge commitment. I think yeah. the South Africans, I think there's more talk in the press now about more teams joining the, the league in 2021. And that's, I think that's great. Like franchises like the Sharks and some of the bigger franchises getting involved now. Mm. I think it'll add prestige to the club. And the South Africans seem desperate to get out of the, the uh, Super 15. They definitely um, do. And the Sanzar released a statement um, overnight, uh, our time, um, said that you know, any comment around anyone leaving the, the, uh, the current setup is definitely not real, not right, not mm. correct, unsubstantiated. We use whatever word you want. Um, but yeah, we certainly the Pro 14 have been signalling for a long time that they want more um, South African sides in and that there are more sides interested. And certainly a lot of people are running with this, that there are more sides coming that it isn't talk anymore that they are coming and it won't be next season but the season after mm-hmm. they'll come along um, but yes Cheetahs arrived in Pro 14 as a lot of people's second team in Super Rugby because of the way they play and I think they've gained a lot of fans in that first season here um, nice little moment actually because uh, Clayton Plumage is the fullback oh yeah he's heading off there. dotted down his try and got a big cheer from the Scarlets <laughs> fans because he's playing for them next season <laughs> so he took it well uh, so what are we what are we facing now? Two semi-finals. Uh, it's the weekend of the eighteenth, nineteenth of May. So Friday the eighteenth, Glasgow face Scarlets. Uh, that's an evening kickoff, and then on the Saturday in the RDS, it's Leinster. Um, we've already been anointed eight-point favourites over Munster, and then on the Sunday, now confirmed, is the Ulster Ospreys playoff. Oh yeah, yeah. Because yep. Um, if you want to get the miracle route that we went through last week, none of that happened. Um, <laughs> so it was the long shot well, did not pay off uh, and Gloucester are going through as either the winner or the runner up of the Challenge Cup final they're through um, so, so is that on in Ravenhill the Ulster yeah yeah Okay. It is, yeah. So that's uh, 3.05pm on the Sunday. Yeah, that winner take all, that one. So that's good. Yeah, Osprey's pretty brutal so far this season. But they've, they've, again, they've been they've been the they, had, few weeks, they had their moments. And don't forget the Champions Cup, they were weirdly good. Yeah, yeah. You know, so again, on, on their day, uh, they could cause Ulster problems. Mm. Um, but that'll be uh, Trimble's. You know, there's a lot, a lot of people leaving. Yeah. There's a lot I of wonder whether they will Trimble out for that. Like, probably just hasn't played enough rugby. I'd say no, probably not, dodgy. yeah. Um, you know, even like with with Bowie, he was on the bench, wasn't he? Like so. Um, although maybe just, just the like emotional uplift you can get from something like that, like mm. the guy's last game. Yeah, you wouldn't know what to do. But His admission that he was getting a pace by you know probably probably not the best sign. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I did mention tickets. Um, so keep an eye on uh, on our little channels here. Um, we will have tickets for the Leinster Monster match, and they are going to be gold dust because mm. that is going to be eighteen thousand people all the season, all the season ticket holders, and anyone from Munster trying to do their damnedest to get in. Uh, pay attention. We will have tickets, but. The big game next weekend, Champions Cup final. I think it's time to call in some French reinforcements. Um, Mike Prendergast is on the line. Mike, good morning. Good morning, guys. Um, where are you now? Uh, attack coach for ONA, French Championship. Um, last league games were played this season. What is to come for you guys? We have a playoff um, on Saturday, so they changed the structure um, this, this year. And basically, it's it was top fourteen. Obviously, the fourteenth last club go automatically down. And this year, there's a chance for the thirteenth um, place. So, 
fortunately enough, I suppose, when you look at us, up to about Christmas, um, we were nine points behind Beijing, who were second last. Um, and since then, we've we actually kicked on. We won a lot of games, a couple of games away from home and gave ourselves a fighting chance. We had actually a chance on the weekend to still... Um, Stay without making, without playing in the in the playoff. But unfortunately, we came up uh, a good bit short. We 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 played in cast, and unfortunately, first half we were we were in the game. Um, two or three opportunities to score didn't take them, and then second half we uh, unfortunately they, they they really put the, the foot down and 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 rolled us being honest with you, you know. So um, so we've an opportunity to more opportunity to stay alive, as I say. So we actually play. Um, Grenoble, my old club, on Saturday over in Stade des Alpes, um, Saturday afternoon in a, in a playoff, winner takes all. So Grenoble were beaten yesterday by Perpignan in the in the Pro D2 uh, playoffs. Of Pro- Perpignan um, have went back up to the top 14 after four years, which is which is great to see a club like that, especially in in, the, in that area, that region as well. You know, it's um, hard bit of rugby, French rugby. So um, for overall, for French rugby, it's a good thing and. Hopefully we can uh, stay in the top fourteen with them, uh, with them for for next season. All right. Well, um, good luck with that one next uh, next week. Um, is there much talk about the Champions Cup playoff, or has it been all top fourteen and uh, Pro D two this week? I suppose over the last couple of weeks, uh, yeah, it's been it's been Pro D two. It's a business end of the season. Top fourteen, obviously, in Pro D two, but um, obviously next week we're the only game in in between the leagues that that's on and. Um, obviously, that's followed by the the main event for for Europe, which is the Champions Cup final. So, obviously, having a French team in is being Racing. Racing have been very consistent this year, especially um, from kind of October on. Um, and a lot of teams are, are, are everybody's talking about them over here, you know, and they've just huge depth. They actually only came one point behind uh, Montpellier, who obviously were were knocked out early in the in the Champions Cup. So their sole focus was just the top fourteen. So to be fair to Racing, they've they've done it on, on both fronts up to now, you know. So they're in a home um, semi final um, in the top fourteen, and obviously next week they have the the, the big Champions Cup against uh, against Leinster. So yeah, I know the, the the Champions Cup this year because for the few French teams were left in the are still in it coming come the quarter final. It probably had more um, more um, focus on it than than previous years, you know. Um, we talked a little bit about this last week, but the loss of Maxime Machinot for Racing um, as a starting point for the conversation about the game itself. Uh, how big a loss is that from your perspective? It's a huge loss. There's no hiding behind the fact he's. Um, I think he's actually he's really developed his game this year. He's kind of he's a physical nine, and I think previous he was a running threat, but he used to like to look for the contact. Now he's more of a He's more of a link nine, so he still has that running game, and he's, he's passing actually. Even though it's it's quite unusual because he's, he's a bit older, but his passing has actually improved an awful lot this year as well. And I think he's he's focused on he's more of a subtle player now than than what he was. He's obviously always had quite a good kicking game, um, and and probably the way they play, I think Racing have looked to. I suppose it's like us here when you have a 4G pitch you use it to, to, to your advantage or you try to use your advantage and that's by playing high tempo and Racing I suppose when you look at them this year the thing is they're trying to do that for me they're not the 80, 80 minute team in being I know um, traditionally and 
I suppose people outside of France look and, and, and when you're targeting French teams you look at them and say right they're not going to last the pace that that game has changed now because it's you know obviously you, the bench is a massive thing so a team like Racing have strength and depth and they can bring on a bench but whether Racing can can play for the for the 80 minutes I, I've seen them this year where they play kind of in, in, in spurts where they play even against even against Munster and I know you can say that they probably had to they could take their foot off the gas but they've been like that this year where they play for 20 minutes I remember the game in, in even in Paris against Munster this year where they came out of the blocks and they were incredibly strong for 20 minutes dropped off Munster started getting a handle on it uh, and they actually finished then quite well because they had that bench to bring to bring up bring on you know so the whole thing about about wrestling is is playing for that that eighty minutes, whereas they've come in and out of games for fifteen twenty minutes, uh, and when they play at high tempo, I think that's where Mashno has has excelled, um, and I think he he's 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 a type of nine like like most nines, um, you like to play in the front foot, and he's adapted his game in that way where where now he's starting to put players through holes. He's 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 running, but he's not looking for that contact, you know. So he will be massive, a huge loss for them. Uh, in terms of just his leadership as well, you know, he's he's a guy that's been there a long time. He's really bought into everything they've done, along with Swarzewski. Albeit Swarzewski mightn't start, but just to have that, you know, that experience, their their, their home players. And in saying that, you look at the nine that they've brought in this year, um, and it's probably another thing to do with Mashno's performance because Iriben, he's he's come in from 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 uh, Breve this year. He actually started the year. He took over from Mashnos. Probably put a lot of pressure. I'm sure Mashnos sat back and 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 had a think about it, and obviously has, has pushed his game on. So he's a different type nine. He's got a he's got a very very strong kicking game, um, but he probably lacks that subtlety and that decision making that Mashnos has has brought to to Racing this year. Mike uh, Kev here. Just a, a question. Hi, so so Racing are looking at Leinster now and. Looking at that kind of semi-final and the way they played against Saris in the quarter-final, like it is intimidating. They've been really clinical mm-hmm. and really good knockout rugby. With your mm-hmm. French hat on, like how? What are they going to target when they're looking at the way Leinster been playing? What are they going to target? Where are the areas that, that you believe they'll go after uh, next weekend to, to give them a good chance of winning? Yeah, I think I think the first thing is I think they know they have to be in the fight, as I said, for eighty minutes, and it's something that 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 has probably that they're short at the moment. And you look at Leinster at the moment, and it's the, it's the opposite. They can just stay in that fight for eighty minutes. Um, and I, I think what they'll, they'll they'll probably look at they'll probably look at some of their own strengths as well. And their strength this year has been their defence in top fourteen of the, the best defence. Um, even when you look talk about defence, you look at your defensive lineout. It's the best in the Champions Cup. They look to disrupt that. Um, scrum isn't as as strong as an area, uh, but I think they look at their their, their own strengths. Um, as I said, defensively. And I would imagine, you know, it's it's about Leinster defence is obviously very good, but I think with Leinster's shape in attack, they can cause more problems than probably other teams can in the top fourteen and um and I think Racing would be very aware of that. So I suppose Mike Andy Andy here for the ignorant among us when you say Leinster's Uh shape and attack is different from what the top 14 might bring what do you mean by that? They just I suppose they from a point of view of a lot of French teams we'd be here we'd be we'd be um, quite structured for for a French team um, and we get a bit of pay out of it because in France if you kind of if you tend to hold on to ball for for long multi-phases you get good gains out of it and I think that's what 
even when we played Racing at the start of the year, albeit we didn't win, but we caused them problems by holding on to the ball from multi-face because the way they defend, they get off the line very, very hard, of huge line speed. Ronan O'Gar obviously, you know, implemented their defence structure and um, and they've continued with that and it's been quite successful for them this year. Um, and, then, and what I was getting at from a point of view from attack, that if you're if you have you know, a decent structure, you, you hold with, you manage to hold on to that ball for over six, seven phases. A team like Racing, because they get off the line so quickly, you're you're looking for them to get off the line, to come back to get off the line. After five, six phases, that becomes tiring and they naturally start to start to narrow up a small bit. And I think that's where, where Leinster can get good gains, I think, on the edges by holding on to the ball, as I said, for multi-phases. With the way they're set up, Leinster, they hold width and they've good micro little plays within how they how they set up. So they, in other words, they fill the field quite well and they're very disciplined what to do. The breakdown allows them the breakdown is is the best in Europe and allows them to hold on to ball onto the ball. So I think that's where Leinster will, will, will make gains this, this weekend against uh against um and Racing. And and Kev, just to follow up on your your question, where will where will Racing I think the, as I said, their line out is very, very strong lines defence, so they'll go after that. Um and I think they'll just They'll potentially look to hold on to the ball and, and, and deny Leinster ball, you know. That's that's the I think that's the the path they'll go down for this weekend. Yeah, it was just because interesting you said earlier that, that the Racing like to play tempo. I think they need to actually slow the game down a bit because Leinster really relish when the tempo's high. They're super fit. They like, yeah. like, like quick rook ball, tempo up. And they played against a high tempo team in Scarlets and completely mm. out tempo them. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, yeah. I would I would guess you're right. I would guess that Rassing are gonna try and suck the life out of the game. Slow it down, lots of scrums, line outs, you know, really big on the defensive line outside of things, like you said, putting pressure on yeah. Leinster set piece and just trying to take anything they can away from them. I, I I think yeah, sorry. No, God. no, it's just like the defensive rook is also huge because yeah. the Scarlets couldn't slow ball down and because of that, Leinster scored tries. If you get quick ball, the way Leinster play, they're going to score score tries. So I think big job for like Nianga and some of the back row guys to get in and slow that ball oh. down and do anything they can to, to disrupt. 100%. And it even happens before that. It happens in the collision. And I suppose you look at wrestling and, and that's, what they are, that's what they have. You know, they have big strong athletes that are powerfully and, and quick and in the collision they're, they're they're very effective you know so if you do win that first collision um, you know that can or the second third collision that can obviously help your defence and, and just what you were touching on there from a point of view of I agree with you I, th- I think I think potentially in their own half uh, wrestling they would look to, to slow it down a small bit um, from a kicking point of view and you know Creating two or three rocks just to slow the tempo down, get a good, get a good contestable kick in, get good, uh, get a good kick chase. But I think when once they get into the into the um, Leinster half, I do think they look to to up it a small bit. To be honest, Sean, I, I think they did that, that against against uh, against Munster and they did it effectively as well. You know, because I suppose when I, when I talk about you know up in the tempo, they have that ability, they have the Zakatau, they have the the. Um, the Nakawawa that that you know have that X factor, they can step inside guys. We saw um, Vakatawa do it against Munster, Nakawawa with those offloads, you know. So when they get in behind, that's when they look to to, to you know to really uh, up the tempo, and and that's where Mashno has been very effective and has come into his own this year because he likes to play that noise. As I said, he's changed these games, so. It's it's set up for a fascinating game, to be honest with you. I think the um, mentioning Vakatawa there is that's a battle I'm really looking forward to. Ring Rose and Vakatawa, uh, because Ring mm. Rose can is probably got a much better all around game, mm. but Vakatawa can create something out of nothing. Mm. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Fijian with, with huge, uh, huge close-in footwork that just allows them to get outside players or inside players. And, uh, but, you know, knowing Leinster's defence that, you know, anything around the ball they'd be so wary about where he steps back in. Um, but in saying that, that's going forward defensively there is some frailties in his in his defence, and I'm sure that's where where uh, where Leon Stewart and and and, and um, the coaching staff will 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 identify, you know, from from a point of view of where what areas to go after. Um, defensively, he he can be got at, you know. So, um, but they have those players, and I think, you know, there's one player that there's two players really. I look at Rassing, and as you said, okay. They're not a team that traditionally start the season off on a, on a massive high because usually they make finals. When you make finals here, you're, you're playing till quite late in the season, so your pre-season gets affected. And um, they're quite smart how they, they approach their season. So from the start of the season, as I said, they, they started off not not you know out of the blocks too quick. Um, but one, two things, two players I think that have really. I suppose steadied them an awful lot since they've come in. You look at Donnick Ryan, and he's not just because he's mm-hmm. someone I know, but you look at what he's brought to them from the point of view of set piece, and just talking to guys up there, and um, you know the energy he's brought, the enthusiasm he's brought, and they're actually feeding off that because um, you know they're a team that Dan Carter's last year they, they want to win a Heineken Cup, you know, or a Champions Cup. They, they're in the final two years ago. They've been there. They haven't won it. They've won a, a top fourteen two years ago. They're on a high for Dan. You know they want to give him a, a good send off, but the other player who, for me, who's who's brought a lot of subtlety to their game and just give them that balance has been Pat Lambie. And again, he came in around October, November, and Donica was obviously injured at the start. So I've just found they've got a lot of more maturity in 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 their in their game, in their decision making since the two of them have, have come along. And then you have the beauty of of you know starting Lambie bringing Dan on keeping Lambie potentially if you're going after the game to 12 or even 15 or, or taking him off depending what way you're you know if you're ahead or behind so they have a lot of uh, armours in their in their in their game even going into to Saturday but um, I still think behind it all Leinster have, uh, will have too much So to round it off um, we've spent a lot of time talking about the wrestling side of this mm. um, but Leinster we've seen a number of different mm-hmm. types of Leinster this season the Leinster against Scarlets was straight mm-hmm. w- w- was very concentrating on what American football you might call north-south it was straight mm-hmm. in dominate the collision uh, do very bad things to Tyburn to get him out of the game and Byrne got very mm-hmm. frustrated but you do that if someone is very mm-hmm. good in that area you take him out and it's up to the referee to stop it and the referee didn't stop it mm-hmm. Um so someone like Donnick Ryan from the Racing side would be there to stop that happening. Um, but Kev, will we see uh, Leinster play a much wider game earlier or will we see them go straight down the throat again? No, I think you'll see them doing the same thing. And like They were winning collisions, but I think it was the, the little intricacies of what they were doing that actually allowed them to get over the game line. I think if they just done simple, always one-pass plays... Um, you know it's very hard it's easy for defences someone like uh, Rassing who like Mike said come off the line hard they're big fellas like and they win mm. those collisions I think what you're seeing is little one and two pass plays amongst the forwards makes it really hard to defend do you mean just um, like changing the angle slightly changing or? the angle rather than just picking off the base pushing it to a guy who's maybe standing five metres away who can then get around you know three or four defenders which means that there's a bit more space for the next uh, carrier and yeah, just really smart in the way they do that. And I think like it all comes back, though, to the quick rook ball. And I think 
part of it was almost an advantage for them having Tigburn playing in that game in a, in, in a warped way. They had a guy, um, I think Jordy said it, I heard him on the press after the game, they had a guy in a blue scrum cap all week. Mm. And <laughs> one of the academy guys got mm-hmm. the absolute shit kicked out of him all week. And they had this unbelievable target. Anytime they saw the blue lid, they absolutely smashed him during the game. And I wonder who the blue lid is going to be for Racing now this week. Because it's, it's great to have a focus point mm. like that. And I think the Rook, again, is just going to be so important because Leinster's game depends on it. And what Mike's saying there is if they can slow the ball down and, and push their, their big line speed on Leinster, I think Leinster will struggle a little bit more to get over the game line and, and do what they need to do. But, yeah, it's... Uh, it's going to be an absolutely fascinating contest. I think, like, Racing have amazing individuals. I think the Vakatawa Ringrose comparison is great because Vakatawa, like, he's an incredible player, but he's a bit loose, whereas Ringrose is very structured. Like, him and Henshaw, like, you know exactly what you're getting from them. They're so strong structurally in defence. Um, and, you know, they're they're dependable on attack, whereas, like, Racing have these amazing individuals and you don't know what you're going to get from them. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a fascinating contest. Right, it's uh, it's prediction time. Um, okay, call it. Kev? Yeah, I think Leinster. I don't think by 10, though. I think it's going to be maybe five or six points. Okay, Pat? Yeah, confident in Leinster. Leinster are going to do do a decent job. And I, I think Luke McGrath is going to be back for it as well. So that's going to help an awful lot too. So, yeah, very confident in saying Leinster are going to win this. Okay. Uh, Mike from France? Yeah, I think Leinster. I think Pat made a good point there. I think Luke McGrath coming back as well. Um, and since their team. And I actually think Leinster by about 10, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, Lanster. That's four for four. Um, we'll be back with your fan questions next. Murder, she wrote, is the perfect thing to watch during the day. You can watch the start, fall off for 40 minutes, come back, see the end, perfect. You know what I mean? You've missed nothing, really. Remember, Rod Kev in the Kalina used to have to bring two TVs into the room, one for you for Cheltenham. <laughs> like every red-blooded male in the country, he'd be watching the horse racing, whereas I'd have a TV for myself for things like Murder, She Wrote and Houses Under the Hammer. Murder, She Wrote is the perfect thing to watch during the day. We're going to take a look at some of your social media questions now and uh, thanks to Mike Prendergast who had to go and actually you know, do some work. <laughs> I think there's a video session coming up. Um, be sure to follow us on Twitter at THYRugby and use the hashtag AskTHY if you want to get in a question to the panel for next week. First one uh, from Colm Grimes. A week on, a dozen or so articles and columns yet no, sorry, still no official word from Connacht on Kieran Keane. Why, when and who next and how, what is going on Connacht? So, uh, last Monday, mm-hmm. uh, we walked out of the studio and about an hour afterwards, the story comes out that uh, Kieran Keane is no longer going to be with Connacht. So, after a year one of three years deal, he's gone. But there's been no official confirmation yet, Pat. Yeah, it's very strange. It's like, unless they're waiting to have something positive to announce, but it's like everybody's accepted that, that Kieran Keane is gone we're, now. We're sure of that, are we? Yeah, like that's like all the talk from from Connacht, you know. But yet, there's been no official confirmation. Um, so unless they're trying to figure out kind of terms of you know his departure or something like that, but he hasn't locked himself into the changing room. <laughs> no? Yeah, they've, he's gone missing or something like that. And, and but it, it's just it's so strange, like to you know what a mess. Like because um, Keane was talking about it at the end, like um, he he was kind of honest enough saying that last year there hadn't been a proper kind of review done and. 
you know people have been kind of left hanging so they're going to do everything properly and the players are going to have a chance to have their feedback as well and certainly he, yeah I, I mm. agree with you he he was talking about next season yeah, yeah. until very very recently mm. yeah. and, and then suddenly the story is that he's gone Kev if, some, if a coach has signed up it's very unusual for them to get just one year and that was one year without a proper preseason. Now that's the surprise the really surprising factor for me and also coming in after Pat Lamb like yeah. He's got a lot of unwinding to do in some ways because Pat Lamb was very, very fixed in his ways. It's also John Muldoon's last year, so he would have been planning, doing a lot of planning. And mm. I think generally coaches get two, three seasons um, to put their stamp on things. Like Leo's first season wasn't amazing, you mm. know, and he got his chance to put in place the structures he needed to be successful. And now look where Leinster are, and I think he's brought in the right coaching team and stuff. So I was really surprised. Um, but I have no idea why it's happened, you know. Mm-hmm. And there was talk of player mutiny and things yeah. like that. But I mean, who knows? The fact is, replacing someone like Palahan is hard. Yep. <laughs> so the standard has been set extremely high. Yeah. And the players and the board at Connacht and everyone expects a certain level. And I just—it's hard to know where they're going to go from here. That. that yeah, but let's say like, like surely they can't let him go without having a decent plan in place. Like. I wonder, did they? Maybe they found someone. Yeah, and and they just. Eddie O'Sullivan's been hanging around the sports ground in a dirty coat. Like. <laughs> <laughs> He's always getting talked up, isn't he? Like Eddie, Eddie's the man again. Like, but uh, I don't think it's him. No, no, it's just like so. Unless they're waiting again for the season to end, like um, and then something can get announced, or whether there's a, an assistant from somewhere going to kind of head down and take. Well, a speaking of which. Uh, Dan McFarland announced as the Ulster mm. coach but that is not as simple as it seems either because no. he has a nine month release cl- uh, clause or sorry a nine month um, notice mm. period with the SRU uh, and that is still being negotiated it Ulster seems. just don't like doing things a simple <laughs> way <do they? laughs> I think it's a good appointment though like I've heard really good things about him uh, from his time in Connacht mm. and also just the coaches he's worked under yeah. so like yeah. having worked with Pat Lamb and now Gregor Townsend I think I think he'll have like had a pretty amazing coaching journey and is probably ready now for the yeah, next. Yeah, I think step up. Like, be interesting to see though. Is he like director of rugby, like Kissy was, yeah, or is be, he yeah. more a Lancaster like, no, strictly would, rugby coach? It seems to be director of rugby, but again, I think what you're talking about is what does that mean? Like the title is the yeah. title, but what does it mean on the ground? Mm. Yeah, so like say in Leinster, it works really well because Leo, you know, does the forwards coaching and a lot of the ta- technical stuff but like Lancaster's just a coach yep. just a rugby coach and Leo deals with all the media yeah. all the, and then that you know in Ulster was Kissy tried to take that on and it just didn't necessarily work for him he's an amazing rugby coach hmm. so I just wonder what Dan McFarland has agreed with him because it's actually quite an important definition what does my role involve yeah. and then who else can I bring in to try and take some of the heat off me or well that's it and especially this this is when I did certain parallels to the Munster situation where we knew that Van Gran was coming in and then mm-hmm. there was going to be a handover period mm-hmm. but it was very clear that a lot of the, the, the people in place already were going to stay right, yeah. in the coaching mm-hmm. team that does not seem to be clear yet in Ulster and that's really important if they're going to have a longer transition like if they can't buy him out um, I'll point to Peter O'Reilly's in the Sunday Times who actually, a little piece about this and he said the Scots can stop feeling sorry for themselves for losing uh, McFarland. They took McFarland from the Irish system to begin with. All his coaching development took place here, but there's no ignoring the small print, small print on his contract. The IRFU need to buy him out, and Ulster need that to happen pronto. Mm. That is bang on. Yeah, because that's you see Andrew Trimble's retiring, and Robbie Diak is going as well. Mm. Um, there's an, almost an entire Ulster backline that's gone as well um, for for next season. So 
just so much upheaval like and they can't have someone no. like a Dwayne Peel just kind of you know holding the tiller for five or six months until McFarland arrives well, in like well you can use the upheaval as an opportunity and I think that's what they have to do but you're right they need to get McFarland in there as soon as possible mm. so he can actually start planning and working with people like Peel and stuff like that and the senior players in Ulster but I was chatting to Trimby last week just before he announced his retirement action he said there's just a huge focus now in Ulster um, they're looking south and they're saying how can we develop our own talent it's mm. been a problem for us we're not producing yeah. enough Stockdales yeah um, and I know there, there, there's a huge intent there in putting focus on developing well, especially forwards players for, yeah, they need to keep forwards involved once they go sort of beyond the 19s 20 they need to get them and keep them and and not let them you know wander away yeah. whatever's going wrong in, in, in that chain something is going wrong it's mm. really interesting that Trimby was talking to you about that yeah and I think like there's plenty there's a a big rugby playing population up north as well. Yeah. I just mm. think maybe the structures. I think that they can probably learn a little bit from what Leinster have been doing and, yeah. and try and produce some extra talent. Okay, um, so that's two provinces down, and we spent a lot of time in Leinster. So Munster's time uh, from Ivor Papst. Uh, what next for Munster to get to the top table? What do they need? A new ten uh, or a Pacific utility back or wing? Mm. A marquee lock um, to tick off a couple of these. Uh, they have got to. You know they've done. They've got to a, a semi-final mm-hmm. um, in the Pro 14. But that's what Munster would expect minimum. I'd suggest um, new ten. JJ was picked for a couple of games in a row here. Yeah, yeah. Is JJ the future? It seems to be that they're just going with it now, like and and just rolling the dice and just letting Hanrahan learn and see if he's the man for them. Because um, he played the full game there against Edinburgh the other day and and benefited from it and. Um, he'll probably start against Leinster as well so maybe they're finally um, you know Keeley had had such a great season but then just had a bad game um, you know in the Champions Cup like when they got knocked out so maybe they've just said okay maybe it's time to invest in JJ J- like give him a few games see if he's the guy to mm. to change it for us um, I saw Raj and he was talking in the Irish Examiner about how come uh, Munster aren't going for Joey Carberry and here's a guy who's kind of given out in, in the past about guys swapping provinces but he was saying if Carberry's on the go can can we have him like you know so uh, it's amazing now he's how still saying we is we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> from New Zealand like yeah <laughs> um, well Marquis Locke I mean they've they've okay they've, they've lost Grobler mm-hmm. there's very lessons that can be learned from that situation uh, mm. the and, and by that I mean to be clear that if you're going to sign someone who has that on his record uh, as in the, the drugs offence please don't act that it's weird for people to ask questions about it you need to get ahead of that thing mm-hmm. um, but look he he actually did well in the few games he played but they have got Ty Byrne coming in yeah that's a good um, sign but then you're looking at what Holland uh, Byrne pl- probably playing a bit of six as well mm. uh, and Klein for next season so they need someone else yeah but like in answer to the direct answer to the question I think they are at the top table they got to the semi-final of Europe they're in semi-final of their league and I actually think they have the squad and they would have had the squad <laughs> to beat Rask I think guys like Farrell and Tote like yeah. playing in that game it's yeah. completely different and I think you know Sammy Arnold and some of those guys have stepped up this year and they were okay against Toulon at home you know but it's a different beast away in France you need your big players and I think having a full roster to pick from or even an extra three or four of their, their marquee players for that game would have made a big difference. Yeah. Uh, and the couple of signings they're bringing in are big as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're in a good place. I, w- okay. I wouldn't change a huge amount. I think that the 10 thing, I'm glad to see them that they seem to be back on a horse now yeah. and going with it because it was, an, all a, all on, was an element. We're saying it. that after 
another couple of games like this could change it could but like, well, if t- there's going to be some hell of a test imagine JJ now they'll be after him like uh, talk about a guy with a mm. blue scrum crap on him they'll be going after <laughs> yeah they will JJ at the order yeah, so if, yeah. if he's going to survive then that's going to be a big game for and him he, yeah he needs a test like that and um, like Keatley's been an unbelievable servant for them but the fact is he's getting older now so they need to bring someone else in and yeah um, the out half of our, whose name has eluded me the, the oh, New Zealand Blayendall Blayendall yeah. I mean they, you can't just sit there waiting for him to come back you know he's going to be the answer well, they've, they've, they've go done that they once twice yeah, I think yeah. I think the main thing is that if Tyler Blayendall can get that fit first that's a huge battle for him Yeah, there are other battles about playing time but getting back to be able to play mm. is a big battle yeah, mm. yeah. Um, okay last one interesting story in this weekend the rugby paper which maybe because it was a bank holiday people mightn't have seen um Last week, first the Telegraph reported that Paddy Jackson and Stuart Olding had were going to sail. Mm-hmm. Then Sale released a statement saying that there was no truth in these uh, rumours whatsoever. Right, um, but yesterday, the rugby papers Neil Fistler uh, said that Paddy Jackson had signed heads of terms for a sale before uh, before this statement from Sale was made. That Sale were actually backing out of it mm-hmm. after the public outcry. Um, and they even include the, the the terms of what they say the heads were signed for, and they say that they were unable to uh, they were unable to establish that Stuart Olding had signed heads, but had verbally agreed mm. same for another contract, um, and that perhaps if Sale are backing out, this compensation due. Uh, it's a very interesting story, Pat. Yeah, yeah, and, and the rugby paper is often good for pulling out decent exclusives as well. So. Um, there had been talk about that and you know like that that something had been sorted and, and it's funny with the olding thing maybe yeah maybe he had just hadn't got over in time to to sign what, what Jackson had signed but they seem pretty confident and then Sale don't have um, their history of saying some guy's not going to sign from they've done it with Faf de Klerk they've done it with James O'Connor saying this guy's not coming and then the guys arrived like so even even their initial statement they were saying when we when we sign someone we'll let you know like so um, they said um, our search continues for top class players yeah, um, yeah. And, we, and the search could continue with the same players you never know yeah um, but the uh, it's, it is interesting because there's another line in there which is fascinating um, so Neil Fister says that the players both Jackson and Olding were leaving Sales Training Centre when the Sale denied that they were being signed <laughs> uh, so yeah that's that's interesting I we're going to have more talk about these is going to be linking them with uh, different clubs we're going to get lots of stories uh, I'm surprised I would be surprised if he signed in the UK um, and Ireland but uh, I don't know we'll yeah, see yeah well that's it it's just kind of it'll happen with each side and sale have probably maybe it took them a bit by surprise like that now all of a sudden they've got this storm for two or three days where they knew it might be an issue but they didn't know it was going to be this big of an issue which kind of might be a it makes, um, it makes you wonder who floated the story in the Telegraph yeah. was it a little trial balloon yeah, yeah, and just to kind of see what the see what the reaction is to it then, and I'd be surprised as well. Like, okay, I think we will leave it there. Um, thanks to Pat, to Kev, and Mike, to Alan McMahon for producing, and Shane Dempsey and Fiona Delaney were on production. We'll be back next Monday with a new podcast. Subscribe to it on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and every good podcast app to get us straight to your phone. This has been the Hard Yards. I'm Andy McGeady. We're looking forward to a Champions Cup final. Thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. The Hard Yards on Sports Joe. Brought to you by Innocent Super Smoothies on the bright side. I don't think we met.
before, but I'm the referee on this field, not you. Hi Rob, Zeeb's here. Just want to discuss the captaincy next. He's calling. Oh, and Ring Rose comes through. Oh. That is brilliant from Ring Rose. Ring Rose is going here. What a score.